I like swash levelers. <laughs> it's got the Nick mushroom stamp of approval. version 2.0 this is episode number 57 i am dan and i have with us tonight nick hey how's it going justin hey guys what's up and that compass dude hey guys what's up that's jesse so uh jesse yeah have you crashed that compass this week uh not this week i have been pretty busy with school this week actually had three exams so I don't care about Not that too stuff. much heli stuff going on. I don't care about that stuff, man. Yeah, I, I do. <laughs> okay. So what's been going on, guys? Good week? Did you guys get any flying in? No. No? Freaking rain. Crappy <laughs> weather. Yeah? Well. And so it begins. Is that is that what winter is for you guys? Rain. rain. Pretty yeah. much, yeah. And yep. then... Um, on the occasional days, there's a little bit of light sprinkling of rain. And then on the more heavy days, there's big rain. Yeah. And then there's a little bit of rain on the rest. <laughs> it's pretty much rain from uh, October to July 4th. Summer starts on July 5th, and then we get about six or seven weeks. I don't understand. I just, that's depressing to me. It's depressing to me, too. Because, <laughs> I mean, it's just, I mean... Not a lot of sunlight, right? Nope. No. You guys drink a lot of milk? I do. Yeah. Anyway. Got to get that vitamin D. Uh, got to get that vi- you, need, you, you need that sunlight to synthesize that vitamin D, you know? Yeah, you can buy those fake lamps, dude. <laughs> they <laughs> yeah. do. They have I sunlight know. lamps that yeah. all the people that work in offices over here use so they don't kill themselves. Yeah. Well, that sounds really good. So what's been going on specifically? How about you, Nick? What have you been doing this week? Um, unfortunately, no flying. Yeah, but I did uh, actually just like right before we started here this evening, uh, just finished up the Fusion. So that one's all ready to fly. Hopefully, maybe we'll get a couple breaks in the rain and I can get that one flown. Okay. And then just waiting on the receiver for the 450 um, so I can get that one up in the air. And let's see. I cleaned my basement. Man, it was getting bad. My yeah. hobby room. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Real I bad. I doubt that. Something tells me that it was not bad at all. Well, bad by my standards. Oh, so there was a there was a, some dog fur on the ground somewhere? Or <laughs> no, there was. A, I found two uh, zip tie clipped ends. Oh, that is. Oh, wow. <laughs> Dude. <laughs> yeah. How did you li- how did you live with yourself? Well, it really bothered me. I mean, it put me in pretty much a downward downward spiral all week. So I just had to deal with it. Oh, no, it's is. it's been kind of a kind of a slow week in the heli world, really. Yeah. 
How about you, Justin? I saw you sent a you sent a text uh, to us today. Yeah, yeah. Well, okay. So obviously, the last week has been dominated by sort of having a baby yeah. and dealing with that whole thing. <laughs> so and, you, before you go on with that, are you still thinking knocking up the wife was a good idea? Yeah, yeah. <sighs> uh, there have been a couple of times where I thought, hmm, <laughs> what did we get ourselves into? But overall, I think it's going to be good. Or, it's been fun, if not a little trying, but, uh, or, but yeah, hmm, we're getting used to it. I was thinking more along the lines of, how much can I get for this guy on the black market? <laughs> oh, yeah, there, that's a good point. <laughs> Hadn't thought of it. So how, you many gotta, helis, how many helis does that equal to? So you got to give him about a little over a year when the kid starts walking. And then that, that first time when you're chasing the kid across the house, and they've got shit running down their leg, and they're just leaving a trail as they're running, and then they turn around, smile, and sit down really fast. Then you will change your mind. Uh, yeah, there's, there's, there's been some of that, uh, that dirty business, but I won't go into the details, obviously. But yeah, you know, other than the kid, you, you'd think uh, the first week after having a new baby, there'd be no heli stuff. But this week has actually been pretty darn good for me. Um, I got my uh, I got my gasser engine back from Toxic Al, which nice. I've been waiting for for a long time. Um, getting excited about getting that back in the air. Uh, it turns out that he believes that when my pipe came loose, I sucked something into the exhaust port, damaged it. Needless to say, full rebuild and another what seems like ten years of break in. Um, <laughs> I may take your advice, Dan, on the the bench break in this time around. But also, as as you said, with the text message, uh, Danny Melnick uh, got around to sending me the Heli Command 3SX. So um, I just got that in today. I'm going to get that on the Whiplash Electric this weekend and start playing around with God mode, see how it works out. You know, it's funny when you when you said uh, I get to be I get to play in God mode. I for a minute there, I thought maybe you were going to change your name to Bob. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh man oh no you didn't oh no you didn't <laughs> oh he went there, oh, he went there. <laughs> you might not know <laughs> you might oh, no, not you know didn't, honey. <laughs> and so to top it all off the third and final heli thing uh for my week is that i decided to pick up a used furion six from the forums I'm pretty excited about that. I got an absolutely killer deal. I mean, you, Dude, you better it's, get it's that. almost too good oh. to be true, man. Send it, him it's amazing. a dinner voucher, some sort of dinner voucher or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, nice. It's a it's a 12s setup, uh, Furion SK540, DS610s, MKS DS760 on the tail, Maverick 620s and tail, Castle HV80. Um, I mean, just fully decked out. Um, so that's going to be here next week. And yeah, I'll be honest. I'm really excited to get back into fifties. I haven't flown a 50 in a while. It's mostly been nineties. Uh, and yeah, I've, I've had a lot of fi- uh, fun with fifties in the past. So, um, it's, it's going to be good. So let's see this week for me, guys, I did get some flying in. It was Man. 60 degrees, but. sunny, no wind. Beautiful few days. Uh, winters, make no mistake, winters here. There's snow in the mountains, and it it's 30 degrees when I wake up or colder. But 
I did get uh, two gallons of nitro consumed uh, on Wednesday. Two gallons on Wednesday? Two gallons wow. on one day. <laughs> That's a lot. Wow. And um, flying those Cool Power 700s, just loving it. And I got it, to, it, it had been a week or, well, about a week since I'd flown last. And, you know, sometimes when you take a, a little break like that and you come back to it, man, is, it just seems to make a big difference. I don't know. I don't, you know what I mean? You know those, yeah. those flights when you're just oh, like, yeah. oh, man, I'm feeling this. I am <laughs> in right. this. And the cool thing about it was um, there were some new guys at the field. So they brought one of them brought an MCPX, and he was flying that. And uh, he, well, he was talking. He was telling all the guys there about helicopters. And um, I showed up and I pulled the seven hundred out. And he saw it when I took off, uh, went inverted, and he was like, "Holy shit, that is so cool." <laughs> <laughs> and then they say stuff like, and that, well, they're partners, they're friends that brought them to the field. They're like, uh, so can you like, do, you know, do like 3D with it? And I'm like, yeah, not really, guys. Oh, yeah, he can. I'm like, if you guys just don't even know. You know what I mean? It's, it's like, what are you talking about? You throw that, you throw that thing. I said, man, come on. I need to get you guys some exposure because really, if you guys, they would have a heart attack, dude. If they went to a fun fly, they would come back going, oh, that dude can't fly. <laughs> then just leave it. <laughs> just embrace it. Embrace and, it while you can. And rock it because you're, yeah, the, you're, you're the rock king, star. Man. Yeah, well, I'm used to being the rock star. What can I say? Oh, shit. Come on now. It's my oh, cloud. Holy it's, cow. Get out the barn booth. It's my cloud, dude. Get off my cloud, man. Come on now. So other than that, uh, we mentioned last week that we were... Uh, tackling a new project and i've realized that when it comes to websites i am the do you just call me dan the destroyer <laughs> <laughs> so i'm in there messing around thinking i'm getting the hang of this right like i'm in the like in the code like check this out watch this this is gonna totally make this look like i want it to so i make my change and uh Go look at the web page, and it looks completely different. It is completely screwed up, screwed up to the point where even when you type in the URL, which is not our normal URL, it's just a test URL for for messing around with this new site. It doesn't even take you to the site anymore. <laughs> I don't know if you guys noticed that. I don't know, Justin. I did. I did because I've. So all week I've been spending a little bit of time in between things with the baby working on my list of tasks for the website. Well, I've got some I good news it. for you. Yeah. All that work you've done it's gone. is completely destroyed. It's gone. Awesome. <laughs> yeah. I get a call from Nick earlier this afternoon saying, uh, dude, just don't go to the website. <laughs> I'm like, why dude? What happened? Just don't go. So I log in there and I get like one sentence up at the top on a blank white screen, giving me some error. Yeah, it's so, uh. So what did we learn from this? The the key here is to <laughs> never watch Yugoslavian porn and try and write code at the same time. Dude, how about Filipino porn? <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say, is there an appropriate kind of porn to watch while working a website? <laughs> what? what? 
number one <laughs> yeah. doesn't make the whole website go away. Now, it, look, the, the the good news is is I was able to duplicate it back to its not quite state where it was at, but it's back under a different URL, and I'll give you that, uh, Justin, so you can look at it again. Sweet. But, you know, it is what it is, and uh, this is kind of the... Uh, this is kind of the risk <laughs> of doing this. Uh, you know, when you send an amateur to do a professional's job, this is what happens. <laughs> you know, what do you think was going to happen? <laughs> but you Freaking know, website or what? Here's the here's. I did learn a lesson, and the lesson is this: every time I think that I'm going to make a change, I'm going to go ahead and back it up first. There we go. Yeah, there I get. I should have. You know, typical. It's just stuff. Uh, it's that's day one stuff, right? Probably. So other than that, what, hey, wait a minute. Before we go into news, I want to talk, because <laughs> this is kind of a funny observation. We uh, Between the three of us, um, and maybe we should get Jesse in on this, this, this little project that we're doing as well, Nick, but between the three of us, we've kind of decided that we're going to start going through the old shows just to kind of listen in and see if there's anything we can take out of them. And um, my observation is, first of all, Huge thank you to those of you who actually stuck through those first 20 episodes <laughs> because they sounded horrible. <laughs> I just can't believe it. When I go back and listen, it's really quite amazing. And those of you who, who have been listening since the beginning, I'm sure you, the evolution of what's happened is tremendous. And it's just, it's kind of funny to go back and, and, and listen to some of that stuff and see the changes. It's a huge, huge task. I mean, uh, of course, Nick, he, I can't remember, Nick, it was like 30, what, three or four or two or something like Somewhere that. Somewhere around in there, yeah, 34, 35, something like that. And that's right about where we started taking, I mean, we tried to take the sound real serious from the beginning, but, but like maybe eight or so episodes before that is when, we, we tried to take it to the next level. So we were just kind of getting into um, the seriousness of quality production. But those, especially like episodes one, two, and three, holy moly. It's painful. It's painful to listen to. <laughs> it's, uh, it's tough. You have to have the volume all the way cranked. I can't. I've tried to listen to them at work. And I can't. There's just too much background noise, even with headphones on. Yeah, it's funny. I mean, it's it's uh, it is kind but, of it's a neat evolution to see it to see it progress because we don't know what we're doing, right? I mean, every every episode there's some other issue <laughs> that we're dealing with. But uh, I think we're getting better at it, though. I mean, oh, yeah. um, you oh, know, yeah. learn even, as we go. Even from a um, from a production standpoint, just not having to fiddle for an hour and a half before every episode to get things set yep that makes a big difference oh yeah so i thought i would just talk about that for a little bit and um what we're looking to do with that guys is kind of um so we can take a week off one of these weeks maybe around the holidays a week or two we're gonna put together like a best of type episode one will probably be funny another one will probably be like technical topics with various guests or discussions that we've had so look forward to that yeah Oh, yeah. And on that note, I think it's time to go into some news. Right. 
we can probably do some news. Somewhere on the other side of town lies a helicopter, broken, bent, and clinging to life. How it got there is a mystery. Was it a lockout or just dumb thumbs? One thing we do know, though, is the only chance it has for the right parts to bring it back to life? Helipros.com Alrighty guys, this week's news is brought to you by HeliDaily.com, your daily RC helicopter news magazine. What do you got, Nick? So normally I'm not one to uh, to do flight videos in the news, but uh, I saw this one and it, it really just made me kind of stand back and go, yeah, that's what I'm talking about. There's an incredible video out there of Tarek flying a uh, Synergy N5C at the Alpine Heli Smackdown. Awesome. And here's why I like it so much. And th- this is why it's so important to me. We are talking about a 50-class nitro. The first thing when I see this, and you guys got to watch this, he beats this thing like it owes him money. <laughs> but he does everything with it, okay? And it's a 50. And it's, it's just when I see videos like this, you know, normally I, I kind of, I'll admit, I usually skip over the majority of his videos because they are a lot the same. But this one, whenever I see him flying a 50, um, I can almost just not even watch it, but I listen to it. And I love to hear, A, the control on the collective management, but it cracks me up. You know, it's kind of along the the same lines of uh, we were having a discussion on Helifreak the other day about, you know, why do you fly nitro? Not why is nitro better than electric, but why do you? And one of the things I've always enjoyed about fly nitros is sitting next to that guy that's sitting there going, oh, yeah, man, my oh, my brand new, uh, you know, my my Scorpion 4525, 520 LE, you know, the ultimate. Oh, man, this thing's got, I, I needed, I was just ready for that next step, you know, <laughs> and I, I need this 13 horsepower that comes out of this motor. Um, and, and he'll bog in it. The same guy bogs his aileron TikToks. And then you take someone like Tarek with a 50 size nitro and they just, they beat on it so hard and they do all the same moves and it doesn't even sound like it's working. And I love that. So take a look at it. And next time you're sitting there thinking that you need more power, watch this video. And then maybe hopefully you'll say, no, I just need more stick time. He beats him. Yeah. I mean, he he really does beat him. And And it says a lot. If you see him out there flying one day after day, same brand over and over again, and it's holding up. I mean, that does that does say something. It does. Yeah. So <laughs> here's a cool little uh, cool little add-on. Uh, this company, let's see, I'm not sure the name of the company, but I know the Flying Hobby is going to be carrying it. They've got, uh, oh, it's a product by Korowich. I guess newer company, make little accessories. They've got a really sweet, um, little aluminum bracket and cooling fan that they're now making for the for the Ice 80, Ice 120, and uh, 160 HV ESCs. 
It's really cool. You've been able to get, you know, fans for the Contronics and a lot of people are making custom stuff. But this is a pretty sweet idea. I know, you know, some helis, the ESC ends up underneath the canopy where you don't get a lot of airflow. And overheating an ESC is is huge. I mean, heat's the killer. Keep it as cool as you can and it's going to live a lot longer and perform a lot better. So I really like this. Uh, Check out that link. Definitely. Um, It's pretty cool. And I I might even actually consider getting one because uh, it it looks cool too. (laughs) And I'm a sucker if it, it looks cool. Dude, here's the thing that I like the most about this. Look at the price. It's like hugely reasonable. It's what is it? It's $30 for the Ice 160 and then 5 bucks less for each of the next two lower sizes. I mean seriously, for for that price, for 30 bucks, it's it's ridiculous. You can't hardly buy anything for 30 bucks in this no. hobby. Exactly. And I mean I the Contronic version is like 60 or $70 oh, yeah. for the same yeah. thing. I would have expected yeah. to pay, like seriously, I would have expected to pay 30 bucks for the little aluminum bracket, not, not and mm-hmm. include the fan too. Yeah. So that's a pretty sweet deal. Definitely check that out. I'm going to be looking into this one because uh, my, it's got my curiosity up, that's for sure. Sweet. Uh, so let's see, Phoenix, um, all of you, oh, okay, let me rephrase that. Both of you Ravian V people <laughs> should, be, should be able to down. Oh, I know. I had to do it. Sorry. Oh, jeez. I know. So, But yeah, Phoenix is now rocking the Ravian V, the 90 Nitro. So that's cool. Anytime Phoenix is going to add more helis, I'm all for it. Because I, sometimes I fly them all. I'll just change it randomly. I know some people like uh, <clears throat> Jesse over there has flown the same one since it came out. No, no. I've been flying the Rave this last week. Are you serious? Really? Yeah, seriously. If, if, I like it. Well, there you go. Wow. you! I'm not going to lie, dude. You really caught me you off know, guard on that one. Just had to add in a little bit of expo, drop the motor power just a touch, and that's what I've been flying all week. Sweet. Well, um, Helimax, uh, Nick Maxwell has a pretty cool little kind of tutorial overview video on the Helimax Axe 100. Uh, one thing that I, I saw about this little micro heli, one thing that I thought, okay, the part that I didn't like was that it's got a tail motor on it, which I was like, oh, okay. Well, I just got these bad MCPX <laughs> memories. But <laughs> one thing that is pretty cool is this thing's got like a module that plugs into your trainer port. So you can actually fly it with a Futaba radio. Nice. Yeah. Really freaking cool. And yeah. you can you can fly it with any radio. It's got these little adapters and it'll it just sticks on the back of your radio and plugs in through the trainer port. That's awesome. That's really I think, smart, actually. <laughs> yeah, that is like super freaking smart. Yeah. Because that's probably the only reason that I don't have like a 130X at this moment right now is because I don't own a transmitter to fly it with. Right. But if if they could come out with something like this, this is pretty sweet. And I don't know. He's got, I mean, he is tossing this thing all over the place. And he he even made mention of doing a lot of right-hand pirouetting maneuvers, which are a lot harder on the tail. 
And he's in yeah. there doing pirouetting flips and the whole deal in the garage. So, uh, I mean, yes, it is Nick Maxwell, and he could probably, you know, pirouette flip a pancake, but it's, <laughs> it's still pretty impressive. So um, for all of you people who aren't a big fan of Blade but are looking for something a little bit smaller, then definitely check that one out. Um, Compass. <laughs> Compass. Uh, yes. uh, Yay, Compass. Yay. <laughs> Yay, Compass. Um, they have a, officially delayed the delivery of the warp uh, back to, it's an estimated delivery is now November 5th. So it was supposedly going to be out by now. I guess they're having some problems with the canopies, uh, getting the number of canopies that they needed. So it's delayed back to November 5th, which I do believe is the same day. I think Gowie's still holding strong on the NX4 for November 5th. That's what I hear, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, so November 5th is going to be a big day in the heli world because I know a lot of people really are looking forward to the warp, um, being that it is, uh, you know, basically a 450 class. Well, kind of a 450 class because it'll swing up to 360s. But being 6S... Right out of the, you know, right from the factory. It's just awesome. So I do need to remind Jesse that we do have a wager on this. We do. Yeah. So, you know. But our wager was for this year, uh, not yeah. November 5th. I know. 5th. I know. Yeah. But dude, November 5th is Let's creeping. Let the record show that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's creeping on it. Creeping on oh, the end of the year. Totally. So that's, that's all I got for news. Anyone else got any? Yeah. I got some news, some stuff that I ran into. Cool. See that Progressive RC now has a pre-order available for the new iCharger 4010 Duo. And this thing looks like an absolute powerhouse. I mean, a 2,000-watt, 70-amp charger. Oh, my God. And the cool part is it's got two chargers built into one, and you can do 40 amps per side on this thing. Per channel. That yeah. is beast mode, man. It's like one-upping the Super Duo 3 from Hyperion. Oh, yeah. I mean, 40 amps aside. So right now I'm running two 306Bs. This one charger is more powerful than both of those. So they, they probably don't even have setups that elaborate, uh, you know, at the state penitentiary where they put people in old Sparky. No, no. <laughs> we were sitting there doing some quick little math, and there's actually you can't even support this charger at wide open throttle with regular household. No, it, well, it was two of them. Two, oh, both of them. Oh, yeah, that's right. Two like, of them. You could yeah. you couldn't have two of these. So basically, you can't outgrow <laughs> this charger and need two of them because you will no. not be able to run it. Off so your house. okay, so let's think about this. So you buy the charger, and then you're forced to buy a four thousand watt generator to run it. Exactly. Yeah. So that's yeah. Okay, that's the downfall. Is that I mean, really, the gem, the generator is going to be the limiting factor. Um, yeah. There is one other thing. Okay. So there's I have one like and one dislike. One like is that it's got a really sweet little uh, kind of LCD looking screen on there. Yeah. Colored. I mean, it's yeah, colored. It's screen. colored LCD screen. Yeah. It all it kind of pops up and sits up at an angle. Um, so that's freaking awesome. I mean, it looks really sweet. Uh, now, the shape of it very closely resembles a Nintendo 64. <laughs> Dude, I, I was going to say the, the, old, the exact the same thing. I'm like, that's my con. It looks like a freaking <laughs> Nintendo. Yeah, like it an does. old Nintendo. <laughs> this looks nothing like a Charger, and it's huge. Huh. I mean, this is 
big. Yeah. Now we we did check the weight, and it's no because you know the first thing I asked was the way that I have my charging set up. I have two eye chargers in the lid of my charging case, and then my power supplies down below in the base, and then a deck lid on there. Right. So my first thing was, well, dude, I can't mount this thing on the deck on the lid, but it's actually. What do, we, what do we come up with, was, like 20 so it grams? It was eight inches wide, five and a half inches long the other way, and only like three and a half inches deep. Hmm. Yeah, so it's not... So pretty good not, size, but with only yeah. being three to three and a half inches deep, I still think it's definitely something you can mount in the lid of a charging I was kind of laughing at it at first, going, I mean, seriously, who needs, you know, 40 amps channel but then well, I, I, I just like I, the fact that it's a duo yeah 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 and I mean, the, it's, it's all in one unit screw that i just like the fact that it's got a color screen i'll charge that shit at seven amps per channel i got a color <laughs> <Yes>. screen now <laughs> it, it really does uh you know i guess you can look at it kind of like a radio you know what why do we buy 14 channel radios I guess you can take the attitude with this charger that it will probably be the last charger that you buy. Yeah. So that, I mean, truthfully, you can charge anything out there off of it very quickly. So if you are in the market for buying a charger and, you know, you're the type that says, well, I could could just try this now, but I know I'm going to end up getting this later. If you bought this, you're not going to outgrow it. I mean, you can't. (laughs) <laughs> no, and you can't. And eye chargers, obviously you're dealing with, you know, a quality product. I've had fantastic luck with all mine. So that is cool. And it looks like a Nintendo. Dude, I, uh, I've i got the same charger as you, the 308, right? Mm-hmm. And all I'm charging with it now are three, two-cell, uh, you know, RX Receiver packs. packs. <laughs> Receiver packs. But, but now you could see the voltage in color. Oh yeah! See, that's what I'm saying, man. And you could charge two of them at the same time for when you're going through four gallons a day on nitro. This is true. This is true. But uh, I feel like I'm way overstaffed on the charging department now. Yeah, I'm gonna have to. There's gonna have to be some cutbacks because I just don't need that much juice to charge. uh, You know, four (laughs) flight packs or RX packs. But that's uh, that's you know I'm, I'm nitro, you all you guys do the that electric thing. That's yeah, it is cool though. So yeah, yeah. that's a massive charger, dude. Yeah. yeah. Oh, and it it looks like they're trying to get that out December first, so it should be coming out pretty quick here. And what is it like three fifty, Jesse, or three hundred? Three hundred fifty. So tell me this: is that there. is that going to be an exclusive through Progressive RC? Are they, I'm are you not gonna, sure. Are they they're the one, They're taking the pre-orders right now. Progressive is. They're taking pre-order, but I'm sure it'll eventually get around. Yeah. All right. Sounds good, man. Yeah, yeah. Is that it for news, guys? I think that's it. I'm good. All righty, guys. This week's news has been brought to you by HeliDaily.com, your daily RC helicopter news magazine. these fly bars sit in the cold, damp corners of your garage to rust or be sent to the junkyard for melting away for plank parts. 
Every day, the number of fly-barless units increases dramatically, leaving fly-bars to squander away into obscurity. Not to mention the fly-bar paddles. Carbon, plastic, and all of those KBDD paddles hoping to fly another day. It takes a little for you to become a special friend of the fly-bar. For just 75 cents a day, you could save a fly-bar somewhere across the nation. As a sponsor, you could exchange photos and letters from all the happy children currently flying their Flybar helis. So come on, pick up the phone. Call 1-800-SAVE-FLYBAR. Thank you for your time and consideration. Save the Flybar now. This week, guys, we're going to talk a little bit about crashing, a little bit about safety, kind of whatever uh, comes to mind. Uh, One thing, I'm going to kind of kick this off, and, um, you know, we've kind of been talking about this topic throughout the week, and I want to kind of, I kind of wanted to talk about it last week, um, but I, you know, that that video I I did of the uh, friend of mine in my field there that had his neat little chicken dance. Dude, that was awesome. You know, that was crazy. It's not often you get an opportunity to get something like that on video. But, you know, there's a lot of concerns that go around that. And this is kind of what we're going to talk about. It, it, it's funny to watch, but, you know, safety is a real issue. Sometimes we, I don't want to say forget about, but sometimes you guys have seen it, whether it's particular pilots uh, or just situations where maybe safety wasn't paramount, and um, it's a touchy topic. It uh, is. It, it is. It's because, really touchy. Look, look I, I'm of. Uh, I particularly don't like the safety Nazis. You know, because they're always. It seems to me they're always just trying to spoil somebody's good time. But at the same point, you've got to consider the ramifications of what you're doing. Now, see, when I when I talk about it, things that happen in my field, as Nick points out, the three other people in the state of Montana probably don't give a shit. <laughs> because as landmass goes, this is like the third largest state. And so those other two people are miles away from me. My biggest issue, should something happen at the field, is how am I going to get to the hospital? Because the horse and cart takes a long time to get out to the field. But, you know, for those of you who live in more populated areas, uh, you know, um, what comes to mind in particular is you guys might remember that incident that happened, and I want to say it was, God, three or maybe four years ago when that guy down in Florida flew his, I believe it was a 500, might have been a 600, into the face of a girl in a public park. Do you guys remember that? Yep. Yep. I do. I do. And the news took it, and they ran with it. And this is the concern at least from my perspective, and we'll get your guys' opinion on this, but the issue is you might be doing something that could potentially shine a huge, negative, national spotlight on our hobby. I I don't know, Nick, if you want to go into details, but we know some incidents happened this past flying season. And um, I'm going to let you go. I'm going to let you talk about that in as much detail as you want, Nick. And you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, no, I will. 
and it's I can tell you right now, anyone that is higher up in this hobby that happens to be listening to this show, you might as well just hit mute because it's <laughs> not going to get very pretty. Because <laughs> I'm going to be the guy that's going to call it how it is. Here's the big problem. And I've been, you know, in this hobby for a while now. I've gotten to know uh, an equal amount of people who have been flying for a long time and are well-respected to the brand new brand new guys. And that, that's why I like my position where I'm at, because I'm right in the middle. But here's the deal. There is, there is a very, very, very double-edged sword with the way that, quote-unquote, pro pilots fly. It is awesome to watch. We all love it. I mean, and I'm mostly talking about fun flies because I think that's where the biggest risk is, is at fun flies. Everyone is pushing harder and harder. And the pros, you know, these guys get up there and I'm not necessarily just talking like big name pros, but guys that can really, really fly. It doesn't matter if they're well known, but I mean, they're on the deck, they're out in front of their face and they're flying hard. Now, is that a problem in my mind? No, absolutely not. I'm all for flying hard. I, I believe in a person's right to fly how they want to fly as long as you keep it in front of the flight line. Here's where the problems lie. Uh, usually with those people come the conga line behind them. You know, they've got uh, four or five guys out behind them that are all sitting up there. They're egging them on. They're laughing. And it does get to be, because I've been up there, and it's you're around your friends, you're laughing, you're having fun, and you're pushing the envelope. To them, crashing is not that big of a deal. The problem is there's a whole entire crowd behind you. And we all know what happens when you get a bunch of guys together and you get laughing and horsing around. Someone inevitably does something dumb. It's, it's just it's going to happen. Yep. We're guys. I mean, it's Every what time. we do. Every yeah, it's what we do. Okay. The problem that I have with all of this is why people turn a shoulder because, well, man, I've seen so many people at Fun Flies going, dude, that's not really all that unsafe. And 30 people standing there going, yeah, well, who's going to be the one to, who's going to be the one to say something? Right. Because he's so and so. And that, in my opinion, is crap. It is. Well, it's, and I, I think a lot of the I think a lot of the amateurs that aren't pros, Nick, may also think, well, he can get away with it because he's a pro and he's not going to crash. He's done this 50 million times before. So it's safe for him to do it, but it's not safe for us to do it. And see, it's usually not it's usually not like the big name. And I, I guess I shouldn't use the I probably shouldn't use the the term pro because it's usually not the big, big name guys that have a problem because they've now been in the hobby long enough and understand they're dealing with rep situations. They're representing companies. They don't want to take that risk and have to be that guy. But it's the guys who are right on that edge where they have pure, raw talent. They can fly at an incredible level, level but they go up there and they fly like they got nothing to lose because all they're really gambling in their mind is their helicopter because they don't, they don't have that pro-level reputation yet. They're not mm -hmm. a big name. So they feel like they have to prove something when they get out there, and that's where a lot of these mistakes happen. Now, 
most of the guys, yeah, they've got, if you've got enough talent to fly that hard, you've got enough talent to, you know, to put it in the dirt if needed. And we've seen tons of pilots do that. You know, they're always smacking the tail, boom, it's out of control. They'll bury it, you know, in a second. But, man, there's been a lot of really, really close calls. I, I mean, we've we heard about some down at the Heli Freak. Obviously, Snohomish, the holy cow. Yeah, Scary, was- man. You know, the one coming in out of the lights behind... N- no, there was no spotter. Okay. I mean, I'll go down the, the list of mistakes there. The flight did not start the flight as a spotlight flight. So there was not two, three people running spotlights. There was not two other pilots running spotlights who know what to expect and to know, and to know the severity and, you know, how important it is to, to stay on the helicopter. It was one guy having fun pushed the limits, and he pushed it too far. And I got out of the lights behind, and then there were no spotters to say anything. And I mean, I, you know, I love that pilot to death. He's a great guy, but it was, it was a mistake. Yeah. Because it just sat there in silence. No one had a clue, and all of a sudden, you've got a 50-class heli going through a tent, driving a plastic table two feet into the ground. Someone could have died, and that's the problem. It's not if. It's when it's, it's, it's just, it's going to happen. And God, I, I hate to say that. And, and like you, Dan, I am not a safety Nazi. Everybody who knows, you know, who goes out and flies with me, man, I, I'm right there. I got it right up in my face at times and I'm having fun. You know, I'm laughing as I'm dragging the tail blades in the grass, doing funnels. So it's not that, but I'm, I'm only putting myself. I think when you get into fun flies, you have to, you have to be a bigger and better person and think about the bigger picture. And it's not just your helicopter that's going to go in. It's what if, you know, what if the new guy who's been out there for flying for a year shows up and brings his whole family? And what if someone in his family gets hit? Well, you know, you know it, it's a touchy subject, man, because it's, I see both sides of it. You want to see those guys fly hard because it's entertaining, but it's like somewhere in this hobby, we got so, so sucked up in, I have to have the entertainment that we make exceptions for safety to get more entertainment. Uh, yeah. It, it, look, there's, there's a couple different sides to this and there's not only the fun fly side, um, mainly I say that because that incident in Florida didn't happen at a fun fly. No. And luckily it, uh, it didn't, it, it, it didn't really catch, you know, wings, so to speak. But look, don't, I, don't be that guy, right? There's those guys. If, if someone suggests to you that maybe you should move the helicopter a little further out, maybe you should not fly so close don't you know in my mind i'm thinking why why are you taking objection to this why are you getting looking or sounding like you're offended to, to by that statement it, it's not a it's not me telling you you're not a good pilot no not at all it's, what it's telling me is that's great i understand that you can fly that helicopter six feet in front of your face but what i do know 
should a mechanical failure happen or an electrical failure happen, your your abilities as a as a pilot aren't part of the equation any longer. And now you've got a helicopter that is right in front of your face that has gone mechanically wrong. And do you think you have enough time to get out of the way? Or do you think those people that you're flying over who may not necessarily be watching your helicopter like a hawk, do they have the time to get away? And when something happens, when, and like Nick says, it's not if, but it's when something happens. You know, first of all, you think about what if you're that pilot? First, how horrible are you going to feel? I mean, that, and that's just a very selfish perspective. Then think about the person that you might hit. Then think about the implications on a national scale. Yeah, Should, on a growing hobby. Well, and, and let's lay it down on the line here, too. I mean, we're talking about what happens personally. How bad do you feel, right, Dan? How bad is that person going to feel? How is it going to affect the hobby? But But... To be honest, the the biggest concern in my mind is that I think that people are desensitized to the real the real physical implications. If you get into a fight with a 50 or a 90 size heli, your best case scenario is that you're going to get out of that with a lost appendage. It could be a lot worse. Absolutely. We're talking about one to one and a half meter diameter carbon fiber blades spinning at above 2000 RPM. That's a bad day. This is not, it's not like, oh, I cut my finger. Oh, I scraped my knee. No, it's, you know, you tear through the skin and the muscle down to the bone. You lose a hand. You die. Yeah. If that, and I, if, I don't think people realize that. If that helicopter hits you from the chest line up, you're going to die. Yeah. There, I mean, because there's too many exposed arteries close to the surface. And obviously, if you get hit in the head. And Justin, you're the rocket scientist. Can you give me a quick number? I've always kind of been curious about this. A 700 spinning blades at, uh, we'll say, 1850. How fast are the tips of those blades going in miles per hour? Uh, they're going... I'll give oh, in, in miles per hour? Yeah. You guys keep talking. I'll do okay, the math I'll give, really quick. Because I, I want to make sure and iterate. My view is that <laughs> this is going to sound weird. I don't care about the pilot. I mean, it's man, I grew up I grew up skydiving. I grew up jumping out of airplanes. You anyone, I am always welcome to anyone wanting to take a risk that has implications on themselves. Right. I'm okay with that. You want to fly 3 inches in front of your face and that's what gets your rocks off? Go for it. I respect people and their rights enough to say, man, that's, that's your choice. Do I think you're going to get it? Yeah. Am I going to feel bad for you when you do? No. But go for it. That's, that's not what I'm talking about. I mean, there's a reason when, you know, when I'm out there and I want to do work on inverted autos, I take, these guys all see me. Jesse's seen me. I do it all the time. I'll go. I'll get set up for my auto. I will take five to ten steps forward. Farther away, farther away from the from the flight line, from the people behind me, and then I'll shoot my inverted autos because I've seen what happens <laughs> in an inverted auto. They get go, they get hauling. Maybe you're up a little over your head. I just essentially moved my safety net for others. Now I'm still gonna paraflip that thing right in front of my face. 
and have a lot of fun doing it. But I want to create more of a safety net for the other people. Absolutely. You know, and, and that's what the spotters are for. The spotters are not there to cheer you on and to tell you to fly lower. They're, they're there to be like, all right, no, you're clear off this side. You're good off that side. I mean, that's, to me, that's, that's what should be changing is just the respect for everyone else at the fun fly versus, you know, how much entertainment can we give? And, you know, yeah. that's a really good point. And Nick was saying, and, and this is exactly what I do at my field. I don't care if I'm the only one there or if there's only two other guys or there's 20 some guys. I always take my helicopter a long ways away. I never land right in front of me. It's always a good 30 feet away. Not necessarily for me, but from the people that I'm flying, you know, uh, with at the mm-hmm. field. Yeah. So, so don't, I mean, it's kind of a fine line. I mean, you gotta, you've got to push the boundaries if you're going to improve. But you've also got to consider everything that's happening around you. It's just yeah. common sense, guys. And I don't, I don't really, I don't see, you know, it's kind of funny. People say, oh, that it's usually just the new people and they get out of control. I actually expect that. I mean, I do. And I think that when you go to a normal flying field, when you have someone out there, that's somewhat newer. Maybe they're just working on inverted flight, you know, or, or they're just getting their stall turns down. Everyone kind of knows that there is a chance that it's going to get away from him and it might get behind him. That happens. I mean, that's, that's part of flying. It's impossible. If you don't want that ever to happen, then it's going to be a pretty crappy flying field because you're going to be taking shuttle buses out to the flight line. <laughs> You know, which isn't reasonable. That's that's kind of the risk of just the hobby in general that you can't get away from. Everyone works together. You're kind of paying attention. Okay, though, this guy's still just kind of learning. All right, well, you know, maybe I'm just going to, maybe I'll pay attention a little bit more when he's flying. And that's okay. I expect that. Yeah. You, you know, so, so I'm not trying to criticize the new people and tell you, hey, don't fly to fun fly because it might get away from you. No, absolutely not. Go out there and fly. I'm talking about the people that are taking just unnecessary risks. Again, not on themselves, but to everyone else. Exactly. I mean, yeah. See, that's that's how I feel too. I feel like we shouldn't tell the pilots to not fly as hard. I feel that the pilots they're taking that risk upon themselves to fly how they feel comfortable flying. But I think kind of a middle ground solution is like you guys said to move the flight line farther out so that they're reducing the risk of all the people watching them and you know the the worst thing that i see is at night it's weird yeah you would think that okay you bring out the floodlights or you bring out the spotlights or night flying that in theory the risk is is far greater i mean dude it's way greater yeah i don't think mm-hmm. anyone would disagree with that and yet no the flight line comes back and the crowd <laughs> moves up yeah. forward. I mean, yeah. seriously? Yeah. Everyone's I, I standing mean, really, a foot exactly. or two behind the pilot. Why do you need 20 people hovering around the pilot? It's yeah. like, dude, that's going to be, it's just like a recipe for disaster. And I'm, I'm all about thinning the herd, man. <laughs> <But> <laughs> this is, uh, you know, <laughs> 
you're going to be know. Darwinian about it. Yeah. Well, I am kind of because, I mean, you know, I'm the guy who doesn't really believe in warning labels because if you, you know, if you're that dumb, you kind of got it coming. Yeah. But, for the stupid people. Well, have you, have you guys ever taken a look at any, I don't want to say all or most, but uh, a lot of the European videos, like, you know, from the big fun flies? Yeah. Yeah. They, um, I've seen a lot of them where they have uh, metal, uh, I guess, <laughs> barriers. Yeah, chain link fence yeah, or safety nets. Or big, yeah, safety big safety nets like you'd see at a golfing range. Or, you know, I, saw, like I saw one video from a, from a, from a Russian fun fly, and uh, they had a, an, a grid, an iron grid that was set at about a 50-degree or 60-degree angle braced by metal legs on the back, not only for the crowd, but there was one there for the pilot if he needed to get behind it. Uh, just, you know, a foot, two feet wide, four feet tall, just enough room to get behind it if something were to go wrong. Maybe yep. it was for the spotters, I don't know. I don't, you know, I don't know, is that necessary? I do know that uh, Bert down in Orlando this year is going to add some, you know, they did that last year, the chain link fence uh, for spectators. And I guess apparently they're going to go even taller and yeah. longer, you know. So I, you know, I think I think some people understand it. Well, I think everybody understands it. But the simple matter of the fact is, you get out there and you you just get to having a good time, and sometimes your judgment gets the best of you. It's usually yeah. it's usually the guys, unfortunately, and, and I'm. You know, hey, I'm one of them. My normal place that I fly on a regular basis is super small, and we've got, you know, maybe four, five, six guys there, if that. Um, so uh, I can have this view, too. It's usually the guys that fly at smaller fields that are the ones that don't understand. Whereas, you know, if, you're, if Orlando is your home field or Vegas is your home flying field, I mean, there, there's they learn with good rules right off the bat. I would agree you know, with that completely. Safety guidelines, should I say. But it's, you know, the uh, the people who are kind of out in the boonies and you're flying with a couple buddies and you just don't, I mean, you don't really understand. And it's not a big deal because, you know, oh, shit, there it went. Look at that, right over there. Oh, now we got to go find it. <laughs> in, the trees, in the trees behind us. Big deal, right? I mean, like you said, Dan. What am I going to hit? I mean, there's not that much else out there. But then they get to a fun fly. You're, you're, you're excited. You're stoked. Holy crap. Look at all these people here. This is awesome. You feel like now you thought you were a great pilot at home. Now you come here and you're like, oh, my God. I can't fly half as good as most of these people. So then it's even you're pushing yourself even more. You're nervous. Mm-hmm. And you just, you really start getting way too, you know, it's, yeah. Let me, and go ahead, Justin. That, uh, sorry, Dan, that, that's, you know, that's the, that's the other point I want to make, Nick. You hit on something there. We've been talking a lot about general safety and the people who know how to fly, you know, maybe just don't take it into consideration, but ultimately they realize it's important. There's another aspect of safety that to me personally, it really frustrates me. And it's when people go out there and try to fly like Bert or try to fly like Alan Zabo. And I'm sorry, guys. I, I mean, I've seen tons of them. 
they have no business doing it. Yeah. Okay. If you can't do forward and backward flight, if you can't fly competently inverted, you should not be trying to do pyro flips on the deck around it's not other people. Safe. It's around not other intelligent. People. Yeah. I mean, okay. I'll, do it all you want by yourself. But yeah. if you're going to risk everyone else, then yeah. Yeah, the yeah, it's, fly it's isn't a place reckless. to try flying beyond your abilities. Well, <laughs> let me let me. Uh, I want to address Nick's uh, comment about the, uh, you know, those of us who fly in sparse flying fields, like I do, one or two people. I think or uh, by yourself or by myself. the 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 <laughs> the biggest issue, and I the the biggest thing I had to deal with this year was being used to having. Pretty much all the airspace I wanted. Front, side, left, right, and back. I never fly behind me. Um, it's happened one time out of all the flights that I've had, um, and that was a long time ago with a 500, where it got away from me and got behind me. Um, but the biggest, th- the biggest thing I had to learn was learning how to fly safely in a box. Um, because I was used to being to using the 800 feet on either side of me for flybys, fast flybys, and that you know you don't have that luxury when you're flying in a hundred foot box or whatever 150 feet, and that I think is something that for those of us who do fly at a small club with lots of room is when you know you're going to be going to a fun fly, why don't you practice? And I've been doing it. I actually do it a lot now. I just kind of pretend I'm at a flying field with a small box, and I just stay within those boundaries. Yeah. And, it, and it helped a lot. It did. It. Um, you know, we've talked about it. You know, Nick saw me fly at Othello the first time. My biggest issue was was the limited amount of room that I felt that I had. Not only that, but I'm not used to flying with other helicopters right next to me. And um, those are issues that personally you just need to get over that can really affect your decision-making when you are at a fun fly and potentially put other people at risk. Yeah, that that's a really good point, man. I, I mean, so my I think my club's probably a little bit more populated than both yours and Nick's, but still when we fly at Snohomish, we fly, we're sitting there and relaxing, right? It's one person flying at a time on the no, the north line, and we have the entire field. It's huge. And so the first time I went to a fun fly, I hadn't thought ahead to, well, you know, what kind of flying stations are we going to have? How many on the line? How much room? And that that hit me pretty hard. That made me a lot more nervous, a lot more self-conscious than I expected. And I did go back after that, after that first fun fly, and did what you said, which is practice trying to fly more in a box. It, I think it does make a huge difference. And for those of you who haven't done fun flies yet, get working on that now if you can. It's important. You'll be surprised how when you get to a fun fly after you're used to flying in, with so much space, how intimidating it can be. And uh, ultimately, for me, it felt like a lack of control because I couldn't. I didn't have as much room should something go wrong, but practicing flying in close 
And I'm not talking about 10 feet in front of your face. I'm talking side to side. Uh, really did help me with that. It well, did. and and then you throw into the mix, Dan, the fact that you've got two helis, one on either side of you, of of two other guys that are flying right next to you. And if you're not used to that, that one will throw you for a loop too. I mean, your eyes play weird tricks <laughs> when yeah. you're focusing on your heli and you see someone else's heli out of the corner of your eye. It's 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 got me a couple of times. Uh, and so I think you, you got to watch that. Really and that's also why a spotter is so very important, important. And a fun fly. What was that, Jesse? Oh, I was just saying that's where having a spotter is very important. Yeah, and having a real spotter. A spotter that does the guy yeah. who's like going like, ooh, awesome, all this. It's the guy who's actually watching out and telling you, you know, hey, dude, you're getting a little long on the right side. Keep it tighter in on the right yeah. or, you know. Yeah, well, watch, like, watch like your left side. You, Nick, got another pilot coming flies. up. I mean, we yeah. even had it down to where the direction I would say, I mean, we were clarifying the direction I would say was the direction you needed to move your heli to avoid the other heli yeah. in the next yeah. station over. So, I mean, you got to have really good communication during the whole flight. And you can still push, I mean, you can still egg them on and push them, you know, nice. Now bring that down. Take that down a little bit lower, but do it within reason. You know, these, these, Douchebags that go out there and they're taking up five, six flying stations. And I, I don't know who's worse. The pilot that's doing it, flying in front of everyone else, you know, down through two, three people's flying station boxes worth, or the guy that's standing next to him and not saying anything. I, I mean, I actually had, uh, well, I mean, we talked about it at the Heli Pros Fun Fly, a guy <laughs> do a freaking. Uh, funnel around my helicopter which was directly in front of me and then later he made the comment oh i didn't even know i did and i'm thinking really yeah how do you not know you're funneling around well, someone else's one, 90 size heli it was completely full of crap because at that point we made it very clear and what we thought of him so then he was starting <laughs> yeah. to get a little bit like wow why is half the fun fly hate me now but you know, but what, where's his spotter at on that one? That's the guy. If, you, if you're going to take that position of walk up there next to someone, do it right. Hi, this is Dieter, also known as RCD Butts, and this is your 60-second tech tip. This week we're going to talk about rebinding your radio after the initial setup. When you go through the bind process, the conditions of the radio transmitter are stored as the defaults, which the receiver will revert to if there is a communication loss to the transmitter. During the process of programming, the trims, servo directions, and other parameters are changed, so they no longer match the defaults stored into the original bind. If you finish your programming and rebind so the default values now match the changes in the transmitter, you will be matched in case you happen to lose power to the transmitter or turn it off before the helicopter receiver is turned off. Check the manual of your Flybarless controller and ESC to make sure that any radio reset conditions do not mess with the initial programming, as some ESCs will have their own fail-safe features and some Flybarless controllers will have their settings based off of the initial bind conditions. So as a concern of safety, it's important to learn the ESC and flybarless controller initial conditions in case there's a loss of power. This has been your RC Heli Nation 60 Second Tech Tip.
So, Nick, did you ever get that goblin sent back? Well, you know, I'll I'll be getting around to it maybe one of these days. Yeah, I think you should just hold on to it, man. What'd you think of that goblin? I'm impressed. Uh, I went into it a little, you know, hesitant, but in the end, it's an incredible flying machine, Dan. So, guys, if you were considering a goblin and weren't real sure about the 700, keep your eyes open because they're going to be having several other smaller sizes available soon. Let's let's kind of change gears a little bit, and um, we've kind of talked about kind of what we've thought about safety and whatnot. Now let's let's take a more of a introspective look at this from each of our perspectives, and in particular, uh, I want to move into crashing the proper way. I've had to do this one time, and it was with a compass, thankfully. <laughs> I um I was maybe a year into it and um I it was I don't I don't even know to this day what happened exactly but I was just hovering a brand new compass and I had it 20 or so feet uh out in front of me and maybe 10 feet in the air and something happened the tail just went out I mean it just started peering I did not have at the point, at that point in my career of flying, I really didn't even have the hit throttle hold, you know, reaction down. The helicopter started drifting towards me in a pyro, and I just, I, you know, I know I did the right thing. I slammed it into the ground very, very hard, and it's still sitting in my trailer. Uh, have never fixed it. So there are things we can do to minimize the risk, and we saw a few examples of that this flying season. One in particular, the first Othello. Uh, we talked about it once before, I think, when uh, Kenny McDonald uh, was doing some crazy ass I'm Kenny McDonald maneuver. And uh, <laughs> I think his tail or something went into the ground and it kind of bounced up in the air and it was heading right for the pits. And he didn't have hardly any control, just enough to stop it and slam it into the ground. Yeah. And, um, First off, first off, it's hard it's hard to really say what you should do, but what one thing that you absolutely need to be prepared to do is to trash a helicopter at all cost. Sacrifice the There heli. is no there is no reason to try to save a helicopter if it's moving toward person or property. That's silliness if you do that. If you try to save a helicopter because it's and it's drifting towards somebody or something, you've just made a horrible, horrible life decision. <laughs> you guys don't have any thoughts on that? No, I'm, I was just waiting for more. I'm, I, I couldn't agree more. Drive it into the ground. Make sure it doesn't... I don't want to even see it limping when it's done. I mean, yeah. I do did, it and do I, it right. I will add this to it, though. When I took the Todd Bennett class, he did say that you know, if you have to put a helicopter in, you, you can force it towards the ground. But one thing you can do is right before it hits the ground, you can try to soften the blow. But don't don't attempt, don't be a hero. I mean, it might cost you a thousand or more dollars, but it's going to cost you a hell of a lot more if you hit something or somebody. Yeah, exactly. That was like that inverted auto, man. At the last Othello, first one out in the morning, 
just, <laughs> just totally misjudged, you know, was going way too high. Had been screwing around with some settings and flicked out to bail out and it didn't bail out. And in the, the first, you know, in the back of my mind, I go, okay, you know what? I'm picturing off to the left behind me going, the last time I remember looking over there, which was probably only maybe 10 minutes prior, there was no one over there, like no one at all. It hadn't filled up yet. It was like the first day we got there, nothing. And I'm thinking, you know, I could easily just roll this thing over and continue the auto and land it. But here's the deal. It would have been 20, 30, 40 feet behind me and about 20, 30, 40 feet off my left shoulder. Now, not even worth it. I mean, it's not even worth it. No. So, I, no, I mean, I just went ahead, dug in a whole bunch of collective to bleed off as much head speed as possible, and then tucked it basically out in front of myself. And yeah, it sucked. It was a pretty good crash. It was rough, yeah. And then I turned around, I'm like, God, there wasn't anyone there. Dang it, I knew there wasn't anyone there. <laughs> but, but you made the right decision. Again, it doesn't yep. matter because it wasn't worth the risk. That one guy that could have pulled up during the time when I was flying... And his whole family got out of the truck. And here I come flying in with an auto. Not worth it. Not at all. Yep. Nope. Yeah, I had a very similar thing happen. You probably remember, well, you remember hearing it, Nick, because you were in your trailer. But at Keith's birthday fun fly, I think, what was that, last September or October at Snohomish, um, I went out there and started, uh, you know, came off the ground, did a couple of pyros, and then started going into pyro flips well, okay, a little too low, lower than I should have, tagged the tail, and it it was a hard tag, so I lost the tail, but I also popped one of the links off on the head, and so now it's spinning out of control, and it's like pitching over and coming straight towards me and the rest of the people, and I just drove it in. Yeah. And it, it was a rough yeah. crash, but it's, it's, the alternative is so much worse. Yeah, no, I have actually had, once again, a very similar experience. I was probably about a year ago, I was just learning to do autos with my Fusion 50. And I was coming in, and the blades were going, you know, I, I was going to crash the auto. So what did I do? I bailed out of it, but I didn't have very much head speed, and the tail started spinning on me because I had zero tail authority, and it instantly started drifting towards myself and it was going to go behind me because at that point I didn't have very good control over it and I just pretty much pulled full negative and drove it right in right in front of myself. Ended up <laughs> ended up being a pretty bad crash. But So I want to tell you guys, um, I did briefly mention it a minute ago because we were kind of talking about scary things that have happened to us. This Probably the scariest thing that I've dealt with when it comes to crashing and possibly injuring myself, I was the only one at the field. I had the 500. And at the time I was really struggling on doing, uh, circuits going from, uh, left to right a quarter of the way through the turn, coming back towards me for whatever reason, my mind would just go away. I just, I always was messing that particular part of the, the turn up. And so I, I was determined. I went to the field determined that today is the day that I'm going to break that. And um, so I get going and I start doing this turn towards me. And 
it just goes blank. I'm, I just can't, out of for whatever reason. And this 500 is coming right at me, right at eye level. I'm in my chair. So I literally have to duck. And I gave it positive collective. And my I was sitting probably 20 feet from my truck. And as I was able to get turned around, I watched it miss the top of my truck by about three inches. And I, I remember landing and going, oh, my God. That really shook me because I was there by myself. And I, man, if what, what are you going to do? You know what I mean? If you're at the field by yourself, something like that happens. My God, you know. That was a that was that really shook me uh, to the core. You know, I so I, I've got a similar story. Nick, should we should we talk about it? The infamous five hundred that Jesse ended up buying that got him into the hobby. Oh, oh we already. I had think that that's one. been brought up before. Yeah, oh, you did. Yeah. Okay, never no, mind. I did. Yeah, that I brought that one. That's up. been talked about. What is it? Yeah. I don't know. Do I? Yeah, you do. The one that went flying over our head, the pilot ducked I, and it hit the piece of Oh, yes, yes. With the bullseye and then With the blade. With the bullseye on the back of it. Yeah. Just, and, then I I, mean, and then I bought it, you know. And, yeah, and that and one bought. was scary. But, you know, just, just going back, it, back to it to a second, for a second rather, that one was scary for, I think, more than just the guy doing. I mean, obviously, he had soiled his shorts a couple of times before it crashed. But like you're saying, Dan, that that shook you. That shook me. And I was standing only 20 feet away. It was like, holy crap, take a step back. There's a good point. Why were we standing where we were standing? And tell me that we were standing in the right spot. We were not. You're absolutely correct. We were we were those D bags that you just complained about (laughs) who were up around the pilot going, oh, yeah, dude. Okay, that's pretty cool. Smooth. Really nice. All right. And then, yeah, when it happened, it was like, wow, that half could have been with a back. lot worse. Yeah, half of us had our back to him. So, I mean, like, yeah. I happen to not, but yeah. What I want to do, guys, is, you know, because we were, we're talking about this, there might be some listeners that aren't familiar because they haven't heard it. So why don't you just give us a quick rundown of what exactly happened at that incident? Because, uh, like I said, there might be some listeners that aren't familiar with what you're talking about. Okay, so... Uh, Newer pilot was out flying some circuits with his uh, T-Rex 500. Uh, A group of us have friends that was on the south flight line at a Snohomish fun fly. Uh, We had walked back there because sometimes, you know, the sun's a little bit better. It's a lot less pressure on the south flight line. We were just goofing around having fun with friends. Uh, We all walked up there. It's a little bit different. They don't have all the depth on the south flight line. You do out over the like, the potato field, but as far as the grass goes, where you put your heli down, you really only maybe have 15, 20 feet of grass right in front of you, and then it's, it's field. So th- it's kind of a natural tendency for people to stand back a little ways, again, closer to where the people park on the south flight line, and there really isn't a quote-unquote spectator area. So you just kind of all stay somewhat close to the pilot, all hang around, and he was out flying circuits, came, nose into himself, got mixed up, and thought that he was tail in, and he was actually nose in, and gave it forward elevator to take it away from him, and in turn, just sped it up real fast. So it was coming at his head, hauling ass, too. I mean, hauling. Super um, fast. 
he panicked and, and ducked and hit the. I mean, he just hit the ground all the way to the ground. Yeah, all the way to the ground. <laughs> Pretty uh, much drops the transmitter. I mean, no yeah, one is in control the of the, the heli ground. at this point. And because he was standing so far back, it. I mean, the heli really only hit about twenty feet behind him. It wasn't that far. But again, none of us were standing in the right spots, and the south flight line isn't near as regulated as the north flight line is so it hit a piece of plywood leaned up against a guy's motorhome well ironically on the back of that plywood was painted a bullseye because <laughs> that guy happened to use that plywood for like taking off his 450 and like little 250 with yeah it hit so hard it just shattered well one of the blades went up um kind of came around the edge of the piece of plywood punched a hole in the guy's motorhome that took the lead weight out of the end of the blade, flung the lead weight to the next flying station, hit that pilot, thought that he had gotten like stung by a bee or something because they hit him hard enough. So he reached up and went, ah, like that, and then ended up crashing his foamy airplane. And and the other thing that, that you didn't mention, Nick, is that there were three people uh, next to that motorhome no further than three feet away from that wooden... Yep. panel that oh, yeah, that, it, that weren't paying attention that were wrenching on helis see yeah. that that's it that that could have been the situation it was and it was an it was a fail on every single person there except and here's here's what i'm trying to get across to everyone it was a fail on everyone except the people that were sitting there wrenching on their helis and those are the ones that are gonna get hurt yep. for everyone else's poor actions if it would have hit him, like the pilot, okay, that would have sucked. It would have been a really bad day for him, <laughs> okay? If he made it through it, that would have been bad. But in my opinion, that's part of the risk that you take flying RC helicopters. I mean, that's that's what you're up against when you go out there and decide to pick one off the ground. But it's not. That's not, who it's, that's not what's going to happen. It's going to hit someone else who isn't paying attention because... All of us, pilot included, that you know, we were the conga line standing there. Yeah. Weren't following. Again, it's not rules. I don't like the word rules. It's being smart. You know, we weren't being safe. Absolutely. So I actually want to uh, encourage. Here, here, I got an idea. Here's what we're going to do. I would like for the listeners, write up, you know, or send me an email or Skype it to me or whatever one of your scariest incidents and we'll go through those and um, we'll pick a few and the good ones that we get if we talk about it on the air we will send you a t-shirt oh there you go there we go because I'm always curious to, to, to hear those stories and not necessarily let's be let's be honest they're entertaining yeah I mean it's I'm, it's glad that no one I'm happy if no one gets hurt, obviously. That's not the entertaining part. The entertaining part is the amazement or the, the you know, the the incredibleness of some stupid decisions, you know? Yeah. It's just sometimes so funny. And what could happen? If yeah. anyone would have ever said, okay, dude, there's going to be this guy who's going to fly his helicopter straight at his head. He's going to hit the deck, lay down on the ground. It's going to hit a piece of plywood, you know, drive in yeah. this with a bullseye and then hit the guy. I would have laughed and been like, you couldn't, you can't make that up. Yeah. So but one, we've all been there. And if you haven't, you will be. Yeah. And also, so you've okay. got to remain vigilant. 
I want to kind of, before we go, I kind of want to talk about one other aspect of safety. Um, and this has to do, we, we talked a lot about the fun flies and flying at your field and flying by yourself and, you know, scary things that have happened to us individually. Let's, um, and we did mention it, Nick did mention it briefly, the night flying. But let's quickly go, talk a little bit about the shenanigans of, hopefully, for the most part, the helicopters are landed. But in some cases, they haven't. But we hear occasionally some stories about one or two people or a group of people at a fun fly that um, piss off a lot of people for whatever reason. May not have to do anything with helicopters. May just have to be with what they're doing. Do you guys think this is something that we, as a hobby or or as as a group of hobbyists, need to be concerned about? Do we need to be concerned about what people are doing at night when they start drinking? Because let's face it. I, man, I'm oddly enough, I'm going to say no because I think it's inevitable. It's just, I mean, any, any quote unquote sporting event, any event anywhere where you end up camping out in the middle of a field, <laughs> in, the middle of nowhere. <laughs> in the middle of nowhere, shenanigans are going to take place. Yeah. And, and like you said, the helis for the most have landed. The people yes. partaking are not the people flying. Exactly. Hopefully. 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 That is, Ho- that's the key. Hopefully. If, well, if, if they grab- are, it's a different story completely. Yeah, that, that's where I draw that, my line. Yeah, I mean. exactly. Oh, yeah. So no, you what? guys don't think that we need to get to, um, uh, what's the word? Uh, anti-fun no. when it comes to that kind of stuff? Because I got to tell you, like you like you said, Nick, and when I go to a fun fly, I fully expect it. I fully expect if I'm not the one that's going to absolutely drink myself under the table, that some of my friends are. Yep. And um, part of going to a fun fly and experiencing it from that aspect is taking care of your friends <laughs> that end up drinking a little bit too much, maybe. Right, yep. right Justin? Yeah. <laughs> 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 I don't know, guys. I think sometimes people get a little too worked up um, about those kind of things. And um, I think I'm going to take a stab at it. And I'm going to say, this is purely speculation on my part. But I think that those people were plankers to begin with. Probably. Most likely. Uh, That's... Man, that's some of the most fun that I've had. Oh, absolutely. It's at night, you know, at nighttime to get the light, like it's Nahomish. That was just a blast. Now, I wasn't flying. I put my transmitter down. My helis were away. Heck yeah, I'm going to crack out the brewskis. We were having some drinks. You got some exceptional pilots like the A-Main crew out on the flight line. We were hooting and hollering, and they were just going at wailing. Oh, my gosh. You know, Screwing around with the banners out there and everyone. Oh, yeah. And when you get Matt Bodos on the mic, had a couple of drinks himself, and he's <laughs> egging people on. Dude, it doesn't get much better. I'll tell you what. Let me, uh, let me, let me, let me, let me, let me come at it from the, uh, from a different point of view. So we've talked about, you know, controlling or a, kind of a, the, the crowd aspect. The, you know, you've got the pilot who understands that he's flying at night, he hasn't been drinking, you have all of a sudden a whole group of people in the audience who are not uh, of sound mind to make judgment, uh, 
you know, sound judgment when it comes to maybe where we're standing, what we're saying, are we distracting, what we're doing, where we're walking in some cases. Is that something that we need to to address? Well, I think that, and here's who here's where it gets sticky. Um, I don't think it matters. Why? Why should the rules change day or nighttime? I don't think they should. If anything, I think you need to be more cautious of it. I am going to actually place that responsibility on the club that is hosting the event. Absolutely, the organizers of the fun fly should be paying yep. attention to that kind of and stuff. And they've gotta have the sack to do it. Yeah, they've got to. They absolutely have to. I don't care who is flying. If it's freaking Tarek and Zabo, and you know, the dirty dozen out there flying, it doesn't matter. You have to still, you know, maintain some of that. It's perfectly okay if every single person sitting out there, you know, uh, in the pits is just hammered and having a blast and hooting and screaming. And the pilots are out there that haven't been drinking and they're throwing it down. They're on the deck. They're around the banners. They're crashing. They're all having a blast. But it is that is still part of the fun plot. And, And that's the responsibility that. I think you take when you want to host a fun fly. Yep. Is to make sure that until the last heli hits the ground, that people are maintaining those things. And you cannot tell me that you can't still have an absolute blast with all of that. Yeah. I mean, well, but, and what it means is that the, the club that's hosting it has to, has to, um, a point of, you know, for lack of a better description, a designated dick. That's going to go around and say, look, guys, you're a, you're a little you're a little drunk. You're a little too close to the flight line. Back off. We can still have fun, but uh, we got to we got to observe safety here. I just don't think I don't you know, anyone that's going to that's going to come back at someone and, and lip off or say anything like that. A has probably had too much to drink and needs to learn their own limit. Yeah. Um. But B, I just don't think that people would really look at that as being unreasonable, again, on how it's handled. You know, not like, hey, I said everyone get back. You know, none of that. Yeah. But I mean, just walk, be like, hey, guys, you know, we're kind of creeping up on the flight line a little bit. You mind keeping it back, please? We're all just having, oh, yeah, sure. Oh, because that's, I think, like, in my opinion, I think it doesn't happen intentionally. (laughs) I mean, when you get... 50 people out there watching everyone knife fly. You got some drinks, you're laughing, you're carrying on, you're hooting and hollering with your buddies. You just, crowds naturally creep. I mean, it happens, you know, and all of a sudden you'll be, holy crap, where, oh God, I'm 20 feet farther than when I started talking. Yeah. So this actually begs the question, and uh, this, this actually goes to all three of you. Which one of you three will be my designated dick. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I'm sure we, I'm sure there's enough to go around. Uh Yeah. uh (laughs) So basically guys, look, you're going to go to a fun fly. You're, you're going to have a good time. You might drink a little, you might not. When you are at a fun fly, you've just got to be, you've got to be aware of what's going to be happening. And if you're flying, well, you're, you're the one flying. You got to be aware of what those idiots behind you are doing. 
And if you're one of the idiots behind, be aware of where you're at. You know, it's just going to take one incident for our lives as RC hobbyists is going to be affected. Uh, because once the government gets involved, yeah, yeah it becomes no fun. And speaking of government, I, I just quick mention, as you guys know, uh, the, the election's coming up in a few weeks. And uh, I don't like to get political. But did any of you guys happen to catch uh, last week the uh, the town hall debate between Romney and Obama? I did not. Well, I was watching it, and um, I just uh, I kept hoping that eventually the jackets would come off, the sleeves would roll up, and they'd start <laughs> slapping each other around, and whoever <laughs> was standing was going to be the winner. That'd be I, awesome. I don't know about you guys, but I am getting so sick and tired of the ads. I just cannot wait uh, for this yeah. to be over. Oh, yeah, dude. Ugh. Every other freaking commercial, it's it's so obnoxious. And I'm not going to allude to who I support, but I'm going to tell you this. It doesn't matter because none of them have our best interest at heart. <laughs> that's, no. that's my two cents. The you, lesser you, of two evils. You know my selfish reasoning for wanting to, to all be over? Why is that? So Facebook's back to normal. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's a good point, man. Yeah. It also People eager to express their political opinions you know come what? out of the freaking woodwork. And you know what? You bring up another good... You, that's a great point, Nick, because one thing I'm noticing is, um, you know, I spend a lot of time on YouTube, whether it's looking for uh, heli videos or just whatever. Every pop-up ad I get is about the local senatorial... Uh, campaign happening here. I mean, you just can't get away from it. You, it's on the radio. It's on the. It's on YouTube. It's on every, everywhere you go. There it is. I just. It's uh, cannot wait for it to be over. I well, agree. And on that note, guys, I think we're kind of winding down. I, I want to make a quick mention. Digging in episode number two, Nitro Governors. That is now on iTunes and at the correct price. So you can get it there. It's kind of strange when you do a search on iTunes, if you just type in Nick's name, Nick Lynn, you'll go right to it. Also, uh, two, it's available on CD baby. We're going to, we're going to, I don't know exactly what we're going to do, but we're going to rethink that whole distribution thing because have not, you know, having them try to tell us what they should be charging for it is, it kind of pisses me off a little bit. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> a little bit. Um, it's just so un. It's so. If I tell them it, what I want to charge for it, by in my opinion, that's what it should be sold for. And it gets there eventually. Yeah. It's just. And that's. It, and here's the thing. Oh yeah, we'll change it. It might happen between now and four weeks. Yeah. You know what I mean. So there's really it's there's so there's no control over it. And then it just makes us look like compass. Yeah, so we're going <laughs> <laughs> to... Elaborate, what is that supposed to mean? Well, oh, it'll be out tomorrow. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, and then, no, mm-hmm. no. We can't, we can't be looking like uh, compass. Yeah. I mean, we don't want to look like douchebags. Oh, oh. I wasn't, wasn't going to go that low. Well, you know, you open that door, I'm going to walk right through it. He went there. <laughs> uh, so, and also to... With uh, the changes that we're going to be making to the webpage, 
you might see some difference in how it's distributed that we're looking distributed is that even a word no it's distributed uh, distributed there we go <laughs> maybe in montana it is come on now. <laughs> so you know we'll keep you guys uh up to date on that as as that happens it's like i said we're amateurs we don't really know what we're doing so it's kind of a learning process every day it's a learning process i always hesitate to talk about numbers but I just, I have to say, personally, I'm humbled. I took some time to check the download numbers here a while ago. And what I'm seeing is just absolutely mind-numbing. I, I'm just absolutely shocked at the growth of this show. And that all is thanks to you listeners sharing it with your friends and letting everybody know about us. I just encourage you to continue doing that uh, because our plan to take over the world is slowly <laughs> taking place. <laughs> <laughs> and um, once, once, uh, once we do you know, control the world, free heli for everybody. Well, of course. <laughs> so that will be the, the sought-after uh, goal for us taking over the world. Yeah, thanks and, everyone. And we I'm just really... yeah, I'm just kidding, guys. We don't really want to take over the world. Just the United States. Yeah. <laughs> you guys can keep Ellie free. <laughs> I I just want to also to mention that, you know, we we can tell which countries where our downloads are coming from. It tells us that. Dude, it's an insane hip shoot it, Dan. Uh, Uzbekistan. Uzbekistan. Uh, I mean, What'd just, you call me? Just countries that I've never, maybe I read about once in the sixth grade. Well, the list I get says like 78. Wow. And that's just, amazing. Wow. You know, can I be honest? No. I didn't even know that there was 78 different countries. I mean, this this list of countries. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I, fa- I failed geography. It's, uh, what's cool about it is, is I'm going to use the word we again. We are a global community. I mean, we it transcends all boundaries, nationalities, and races. We are RC Hilly Nation, and that everybody, we're all part of that. And it is a global, it's global. I mean, people listen to us from all corners of the earth, which is strange when you think about it. I mean, <laughs> just some group of guys in the Northwest sitting around and talking about helicopters and people from places we've never even heard of are listening. And, uh, it's, it's humbling and it's, it's, I got the, the words are, you know, it's hard to describe, but you know, without getting too mushy, thanks. Just thanks for the support that you guys have given us. And, um, we look forward to putting out shows every Monday for a long, long time to come. If we can figure out how to get rich, we'll give you a whole bunch of cool stuff. Absolutely. We'll, still working on it though. Still, <laughs> still, still working on it. Don't hold your breath. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I've already, I've got a plan to put a little extra money in my pocket, and that's to put you three on the corner. Ooh. Yeah. And little extra money. <laughs> <laughs> I knew there was ulterior. You'd be lucky if you covered motives. your fuel to drive down there. <laughs> 
Then I have to go around and smack my bitches. Although up. I did hear that standards were lower in Montana, so I might have a chance. Dude, what is your your, your hatred <laughs> for Montana? We need to explore this. Yeah, <laughs> we did explore it. I explored 16 hours of it. We barely made it out, and we're never looking back. Oh, come on. Right. Now. You guys missed out. You didn't get to explore the good part of the country. Anyway, that's enough Montana bashing. Can you hear that? What? What? Now I think my cat's dying. <laughs> don't, oh, dude, great. don't joke about that. Dude, I swear to God, he's over there going. <laughs> <laughs> don't joke about that. <sighs> I still feel bad about head. the dog. No, uh, buddy's in a better place. So anyway, guys, if you want to get in touch with me, you could do that at dan at rclanation.com or at Dan K. Reed on all the forums, including R. Kelly down there in Australia. Nick, if I wanted to get in touch with you, how would I do that? Uh, you could most definitely shoot me an email at nick at rclanation.com or catch me on all the forums as NWM Tech. And uh, Justin, I'm actually going to finally give you an rc heli nation mailing address Ooh, thank you i I haven't quite decided whether or not jesse is going to get that so justin what is your other email address and i'll tell you what your rc heli nation address will be i'll bet you'll be able to figure that one out though oh yeah i think so (laughs) i mean you're a rocket scientist and all yeah yeah it's true um if you wanted to get a hold of me right now you could Send me an email at justinpucci at mac.com or at justinpucci on all the forums. And soon. And I'm going to bet that uh, if Dan gives me an email address, you can also get me at justin at rchelynation.com. No, no, no. It's uh, Justin the Jackhammer. Oh, God. I knew it was coming. Oh, he was like right. sitting there right. so waiting for that. <laughs> yes. <laughs> no, it'll be justin at rchelynation.com. And then, of course, there's Jesse. I, I already know we could probably reach Jesse at uh, compasslicker.com, right? <laughs> oh, man. This is just getting worse oh, no. and worse. I mean. No? Is that not, is that not the proper address? What, where, where could I? I, I, don't, I don't think that's the proper address. Oh. I don't, I don't think I would ever receive that message. <laughs> okay. Well, what, 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 no. what should I send it to if I were going to do that? Uh, probably the best way to, would be to shoot me a PM on all the forums. That, uh, my username Salmonson sixty three. I gotta ask, what's this? What's the sixty three for? Uh, it was my high school football number. Oh, okay. Hey, there is one more thing. Yeah. Um, uh, me and Jesse had talked about it. It'll be news to both of you guys, but I think we'll just go ahead and do it uh, since the winter is upon us. The non-flying season is vastly approaching, if not here. Uh, and we're going to be on the sim more. We are going to pretty much just start flying online whenever we're on the sim, uh, creating a group in North America called RC Heli Nation. And we'll sign on with our normal names. No password. Uh, no plankers. I'm come fly with us. Yeah, come fly with us. It'll be... I'm on every night. Well, yeah, okay. So if you want to fly with Jesse... And have a watch at exactly 11 p.m. Pacific <laughs> Standard Time. You will be able to find him on there for exactly 30 minutes. Oh, it's actually, <laughs> I'm pushing it towards 45 now. You know, the winner. Oh, oh God. Yeah, you know, great. Gotta but uh, yeah, just, just keep an eye out for that. Um, 
maybe we can get Dan convinced to get on Phoenix so he can showcase his skills, yo. Dude, I'm thinking that that all you haters need to get some uh, real flight going, is what I'm thinking. Hook us up. Is this guy new? Is this guy new or what's the deal? Yeah, wow. How about that? What's up with this? Show me what you got. All righty, guys. I think that's about it. Uh, Hold on. I've got one more thing. Oh, my God. The answer to your question from oh, an hour gonna, ago. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Let's hear it. 315 miles an hour. Oh, my God. Ouch. That would hurt. Kind of fast. That's going to leave a mark. Oh, it's yeah. going to cut some shit off, man. <laughs> yeah, that ain't going to buff out. Oh, I almost went dirty with that one, Nick. Decided no. not to go there. Decided not to go there. <laughs> Many winter episodes to come, so just, yeah. All right, guys, next week we're not real sure what we're going to talk about. Uh, I think we're going to talk a little bit about uh, visibility of your canopies and, and uh, heli visibility while you're flying. Cloudies. And, and then uh, probably start talking about some winter projects that we're going to be doing. And um, also probably going to be talking about some sim because i think it's getting to be that time of year unfortunately and on that note guys we sure hope you enjoyed listening to this episode as much as we enjoyed making it have a good week and we will talk to you next monday i like swash levelers (laughs) it's got the nick mushroom stamp of approval (laughs) bye bye This has been a production of RC Heli Nation, LLC. If you have a question, comment, or suggestion, send us an email using the Contact Us link on the homepage. If you'd like to make a donation, there's a Donate Now button on our homepage as well. 